Hello and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton, coming to you from the Miami Book Fair, where our guest today is Nicole Dennis Ben. Her critically acclaimed debut novel, Here Comes the Sun, was published in July. You can find out how to win a free signed copy of Here Comes the Sun on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Here Comes the Sun is about a mother and her two daughters who are living in Jamaica in the mid-90s. Dolores sells souvenirs to tourists. Her oldest daughter, Margot, works in a hotel officially as a desk clerk. But after hours, she works as a prostitute to the wealthy hotel guests to help support her younger sister, Tandy, who is a student at an expensive Catholic high school. She's seen as the family's hope to escape poverty. Margot also hopes to make enough money to support a life with Verdine, the woman she loves despite rampant homophobia in her neighborhood in Riverbank. You've called Here Comes the Sun a love letter to Jamaica, but it's not the Jamaica that you see on the commercials. Why did you feel like it was so important to show the Jamaica that tourists rarely see? I mean, is this the Jamaica that you saw when you were growing up in Kingston? It was a very important book for me to write because growing up in Jamaica, I did not see, you know, it's a huge, tourism is um, the number one revenue there. And most of the, the, um, the, the investments were in properties for hotels, paving roads for the tourists. But we never saw that in Kingston, where I, right, where I grew up. And um, a lot of the people that I grew up with were working class Jamaicans, more, mostly marginalized. And I felt like their stories needed to be told. And so Here Comes the Sun for me was them saying, or me saying to my country, listen to us as well. We are, we are just as worthy as any tourist. I mean, not that you know we don't want tourists to come to the island, but if you're going to invest, also invest in our education and in, in, um, in opportunities that could actually increase upward mobility because upward mobility on the island, it's really tough. And that's why a character like Margot was really important for me to write because she's showing... In, in, um, I use her to say, well, she was not provided with the opportunities, but she'll use whatever she has to get there. And that's the level of desperation that you see a lot of our youths ha- um, are going through right now. So, you know, like young boys, for example, might get into might be, um, be um, get into violence, for example, you know, just to just to get food on the table. Not that they're bad people, but there are certain decisions that they make for survival. And for this book, it's really showing or documenting what that looks like. What does desperation look like? And that's what I wanted to um, capture with Here Comes the Sun. Well, that was actually going to be my next question about the... um the difficulty that people have in achieving upward mobility mm-hmm. in Jamaica. I mean, we really see that in the novel. And we just learn early on that Margot does not see her work as a prostitute as being demeaning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a matter of doing what she has to to help her family. Right. Did you want your reader to look at all the tough choices Margot and her mom, Dolores, make mm-hmm. through that lens? Yes, Yes, Dolores and Margot for me, they're they're actually two of my favorite characters. 
they are genuine. I mean, contrary to popular belief, they're really genuine. They really want Tandy to make it. They want they see Tandy as that person who know who would have a choice which they did not have. And so for Dolores, you know, as a mother, she, she I mean, she was also our, the voice of the, our post-colonial scars and saying to herself, she's not worthy as a black woman, as a black girl. And what um, for her to impose, to tell her daughters that was her kind of in her way only protecting them, saying, "Well, the world is not going to treat you any better, so let me let me be the first to break you." And Margot herself internalizing that and saying, "Well, you know, let me use what I was provided, which was my sexuality, you know, and her lure with men, and that was what she used all to make Tandy achieve success." And I wanted um, the readers to see that, to see that, well, they're not bad people, but it's just that sometimes people make unpopular decisions because that's what they were, that's how they were raised. That's what they've internalized, you know? And so in their minds, they're doing the best thing that they can. And so um, humanizing that experience, humanizing the fact that, well, desperate, like desperate, desperation is ugly, you know? And, you know, that title, Here Comes the Sun, you know, people were uh, link it to the Beatles song, but it's really the sun revealing the dark shadows of the, what poverty looks like and what people do to to make it to survive. Well, in addition to the issues of race and class that mm-hmm. are on display here in the novel, you also delve into gender dynamics. Yeah. So we see that Dolores sees her mom send her brother to school, but mm-hmm. not her. And sexual assault isn't taken very seriously. Right. Um, Margot's boss calls her greedy while he's busy amassing as much wealth as possible. Mm-hmm. So everything that happens to her and to Dolores plays out with this undercurrent of sexism and misogyny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only true currency that poor women seem to have is their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dolores is very clear about this when she asks Tandy who really loves a black girl for more right. than what's between her legs. Mm-hmm. And later on in that conversation, she says, nobody loves a black girl, not even herself. Right. So with this backdrop, do you see Margot as someone who simply made the best out of a very mm. difficult situation? Yeah. I. Oh, my gosh. You know, I call Mar- Margot my heroine, right? Because Margot... You know, and this might be a, a very uh, interesting thing to say. I think Margot is a feminist. You know, um, Margot, like I said, yes, she uses what she knew, like what she knows, which is her sexuality. You know, she was um, sold into prostitution at the age of 14. Like there was nothing for her. That was the only thing. And but then she has this idea that she can actually take over a whole hotel. She can run it better than Alfonso can. And this to me is like her saying, well, I am powerful. I can do this. And as a woman, that's that strength. And also wanting her sister to also get to be as powerful as that. And I feel like um, the sexism in, on the island itself is a commentary on that because in, in our country, even here in America as well, men are on pedestals all the time. You know, our sons, um, you know, I, you know, I have, I have a brother growing up and just seeing how women treat um, the boy in the in the family as opposed to the girls in the family. You know, with Dolores, her brother went to school. I know situations where that happened as well, where the boy went to school and the girl stays home to do the chores because she'll be more useful that way. And, you know, that was something that, you know, enraged Dolores. I mean, she was able to see that and say, no, something is not right here. You know, and so... You know, um, definitely wanting her daughter in terms of Tandy to succeed to be that doctor. 
you know. So all these are like, pushing, like, um, you know, breaking um, concretes. It's, it's not only class, but I like love that you tapped into gender as well, you know, to, to be taken seriously as women. And so I, I think the one character who does that the most was Margot, you know, saying that, I'm smarter than the the, um, the, man, the hotel manager himself. Let me do the job. And being the setback when she, you know, of course, Alfonso sees that, oh, it's her sexuality again that's going to pave the way. So why not exploit that? And how she turned that around, you know? So all these, like, the different things I wanted to explore with her. But thanks for that question. As a writer, it seems like it would have been very easy for you to vilify the tourist as a group, but I don't feel like you do that. I mean, there are some despicable individuals, but the few times you give us a very clear or closer look at Margot's mm-hmm. clients, rather than them coming across as evil people, they mm-hmm. come across as just regular guys or yeah. even as pathetic, you know? So. What was your thinking in how to portray them? Yeah, I the tourists are not the the bad people. You know, they're the ones that are coming to the island to enjoy themselves. And that's, I mean, they're just there. They're just people who come uh, to enjoy themselves. The real, the real problem is actually the establishment that's actually capitalizing off their money. Um, because when they pay a lot of money to come to our island, the money does not get trickled down into our educational system in our in, in our um, communities at all. And so that's what I critique, that rather than the tourists themselves. They're just like the, down here on that um, totem pole of crit- crit- criticism. For me, it's more like the heads, like who the Alfonsos of Jamaica, you know, like listen and say, well, you know, I could use that money to give a little girl or a little boy a scholarship to a great high school so that he or she could have like that access to college later in life or something, you know. And I think it's more it's more important to do it that way as opposed to just you know, um, attack somebody who's just coming to our island just for fun. But I do want to say, though, um, the, the, the only thing that I, um, with, with people who have come to, my, to Jamaica, um, I want them to see the, the human beings behind the fantasy. And that's more important to me, seeing um, the people behind, the, 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 the people who are the landscapers, the people who are the, the maids, the people who are like the Margaret hotel clerks. Because when I was in Jamaica, one um, hotel clerk told me, tourists would rather come to the island to enjoy our sun and the beach and all these things and they would rather not see the people. So a lot of um, tourists stay in these closed resorts and that I actually was affected by that because as a Jamaican I was like well we have a lot to offer as, as a people and as a culture and so for Here Comes the Sun that was writing against that notion like you know I'm forcing people to see those people that you that come into the country and hide from behind these big walls you know so that's really um, my my letter also to that tourist you know go and know you know make an effort to have a discourse or a conversation with these individuals and even beyond the the people who just visit you know mm-hmm. who come and they they want to sit on the beach right but i was really interested in your treatment of you know margot's clients because mm-hmm. i mean i think it was easy to make them into you know they're yeah. they're bad guys but you you didn't do that either yeah you know because i think yeah, they're not, I, w- I wouldn't definitely um, put them in that category at all. Like, we see that all the time, you know, um, you know, stories with prostitutes and, you know, there's that one bad guy who mistreats her. And I want Margot's um, thing to be, well, it's for her, it's work. She does her stuff, she goes home. And it, I really didn't want um, to overshadow that with, uh, with one person, with one guy, for example, who might have acted out the wrong way. I mean, surely her the girls that she, um, that she, 
um, pulls into that she pulled into this business may have had a, um, a bad experience. But what Margot is saying at the end of the day, well, at least get his money and and leave. And, you know, she's more like about the business, which is why they call her boss lady. You know, and um, I think had that happened though, I think she would probably turn the situation around and say and dismiss that person. But for me, I didn't want to um overshadow the story with like anybody um, acting out that way. And uh, like like the tourists who come to the island, guys or women who seek um, sex workers, they're definitely not bad people at all. They're just in search of something. And Margot was able to provide that. So I didn't want to, um, um, in that in, in creating the story, make it seem as though, well, they're the, the bad people. Because they're just, um, they're just, uh, I'm blanking in terms of the word. But, you know, they're just there, like, um, just in terms of their um, ability to just be there and Margot, you like seeing how she exploits them in, and their money, but not saying that, well, they would actually turn around and exploit her uh, consciously, I would say. I don't know if that answered your question, but... <laughs> no, no, you did, you did. Okay. Um. Your novel also explores colorism. So we see Tandy go through the painful process of lightening her skin in order to gain acceptance. Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year, we saw this play out here in the U.S. where people were criticizing Lil Kim on social media for oh, lightening yes. her skin. But what I thought was really interesting is that few people were criticizing the culture for making her and others like her feel like they need to do that mm -hmm. to get ahead. How did this idea shape your writing about Tandy and how others reacted to her skin lightening. Yeah, I um I definitely that's another thing. A lot of people see skin lightening as vanity, right? But it's deeper than that. It's actually these individuals saying to the world or saying to the country itself, um, we are not taken we're we're invisible or unworthy if we're not lighter skin or we don't look like the ruling class. And even here in America the Black Lives Matter um, conversation that we've been having, you know, it's interesting how it's a little Kim being African American, lightening her skin, saying to America, well, if I don't look this way, I won't be on magazine covers, I won't be on TV, I won't, you know, gain what uh, what I'm supposed to gain from my music. All these like things, you know, and it's it's a lot of internalized stuff that we've been hearing growing up, um, especially as dark darker skin individuals. And I think um, it was important for me to put that in there because in a country as beautiful as Jamaica, yes, there is that classism and complexionism that I wanted, wanted to deal with, saying that, well, a lot of our working class boys and girls are doing this because they feel like they're not worthy enough. And so that's important for them to do. Even though, yes, it might ruin their skin, they, again, that word desperation, they desperately want to, want to be seen and want to be heard and, and feel that they're worthy. And that's really what the reaction is. And so, like I like um like now a lot of people here are beginning emails from also um, black women here saying you know I've also been through that and I love that I love that this conversation is now happening in 2016 you know where um people are now saying rallying around saying no we matter as well and we don't have to you know regardless of how we look we matter and so that's where I wanted to go with um with Tandy and here comes the sun. Through your character, Verdine, mm -hmm. we see how dangerous it could be to be gay in Jamaica 20 years yeah. ago. She's threatened and harassed and treated like a pariah. I understand that homophobia is still a major problem there, but it's mm -hmm. getting better. 
And that's something that you wrote about in Ebony Magazine when you addressed what it was like to have the first same-sex wedding in Jamaica when you married your partner there in 2012. How has your writing about a lesbian relationship been received in your home country? Um, I, so far, and let me knock on hardwood, it has been well received because I think people are connecting to the other themes in the novel as well. And they're seeing Margot and Verdine's relationship as a beautiful one. Um, you know, it's really, if, if anybody has ever suffered love and loss, they connect to that story regardless of the gender. And so I really love that people are appreciating that aspect of it. I was really worried at first. I'm not going to even um, pretend that I was not worried that my my main character is um, a lesbian, um, although she would not call herself that. But knowing that, well, you know, for her, in terms of the cultural context, not even able to embrace what she's feeling for this other woman, Verdine, who, um, Verdine Moore, though, she has accepted herself as a lesbian. When she came out, though, um, in college, you know, that was what happened with her and that relationship with Akua. That still happens to this day. It's now... I'm very careful when I say when I when I say like oh it's getting better homophobia is no longer in the country, you know I think um, it's happened but it might not be as reported as much right to this day we still have um, homeless youths in our country they're beaten every day they're raped they're victimized and so does that get um, talked about sometimes some people might not want to come forward because Jamaica is such a tourism tourist industry tourist country that. We don't want to. We don't want to um, wash our dirty laundry in public river. And so, God forbid, that person who comes forward, they'll be the. They'll get the brunt of the the criticism if it's if it's their fault that one tourist said no. You know, I'm not going to come because you know what happened to you. You know, but um, I think it's really important to still have a dialogue though. To still, because even um, let's say, okay, okay, you don't hear about the beatings, but. People still can't come out at, at, in their workplace because they're going to be treated differently. We don't have any laws protecting them from getting fired, you know. And um, in terms of where you live, class is also a very important aspect because you might be upper class Jamaican and you're protected by the fact that you can have your nice house and your, you know, your your um you're closed off from the world. But let's say you're a working class Jamaican who is a lesbian or a gay person. You're not as protected because people can see who's coming in and out of your house. People know what's going on, you know, because people can just simply look over the fence and, you know, that's it for you and see what's going on. And so I wanted to tap into the lives of working class Jamaican women and also men who might be gay or lesbian. That's important to me. They not they probably did not enter the gates of University of the West Indies where, you know, that's our university that's very liberal, right? But like a Margot, for example, like she she's just existing thinking she's the only person feeling this way, you know, and so that's I wanted to tap into that. Well, the language you use throughout this novel is so beautiful. I mean, many of the, the characters speak in this poetic Jamaican patois and but some readers, as you know, mm-hmm. always like to complain that it's hard to understand dialect. Did you encounter any resistance to your plan to include it? Uh, no, I, I was really lucky um, that my agent, um, Julie Barr, she read it and she didn't have any comments about the dialect. And so did my editor, um, Katie Anderson Adams, who, you know, they loved the, the fact that it's, it's there. Because for me, it's about authenticity, you know. I write about working class Jamaican women and they would not be speaking standard English, you know, unobserved. You know, they are speaking to each other in our dialect. And um, it's so sad because our dialect is also a language and language is a huge part of identity. And I wanted that there. I wanted to have that dialect and forcing the reader to slow down while they read because 
to to slow down is also to see to really also see the, these characters to engage with them you know because these are women who traditionally they're they're not seen they're invisible so here we're we're seeing the whole person we're seeing the, we're hearing them and we're seeing them on the page and that was important to me to preserve so what are you working on now oh, no i'm working on a um a great book uh it's I'm really excited about it. It's actually set in the United States, in Brooklyn, New York, and in Jamaica. So now I'm giving readers both worlds this time. Yeah, and that's all I'll say for it for now. But yeah, I'm excited about it. Okay, let's talk about your reading life now. What was the last thing you read that really touched you deeply? I just read another Brooklyn by Jacqueline Woodson. My goodness, and I'm gonna say this all like I that just blew me away. It was very short, but I took so much from it. Um, she, like me, you know, she uses a female protagonist as well. And I feel like for black women, we don't hear our stories all the time, like told with that, such complexity. And, you know, there's this line in her book, and I'll still unquote it. Like she says, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But what about his daughters? You know, what did God do with his daughters? And I think that's what we're, we're speaking with our fiction. Like what, what, what about God's daughters? You know, who are the girls who did not go to school? Or who are the, the Dolores, the Margos out there, the Tandys? And um, with her um, characters, the Augusts and um, the Angelas and the Sylvias, right? So um, putting our stories on the page and uh, forcing readers from every every background to see us there. And I think it's that just blew my mind that she did that as well. Well, Nicole Dennis-Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. It's just yeah. been wonderful to talk to you. Yes, so thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free signed copy of Here Comes the Sun. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together when our guest will be Jane Allison. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more. <laughs>